トーム・スティーブこんにちはこの番組すごいですねあなたたち超面白い私が番組出てもいいはん Welcome everybody to Masters of Refundication. I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Piles. And、um, God, I feel like we should have something to say after we say <laughs> instead of just、It's、going very, right into the episode. Very boring way to start. I agree. We should say something wacky. So, wuzza wuzza. What's happening, peeps? <laughs> Welcome to、oh, our, his house. Maybe get some slide whistles. <laughs> yeah, it's probably less offensive than what I just did. So, it's better. <laughs> well, offensive? What did you say that was offensive? I don't know. I, I'm sure I offended somebody by saying his house <laughs> well, or something like that. Nowadays, all you have to do is speak and you're offending somebody somewhere. It's probably the Wuzza Wuzza. It's Waka Waka. It's, it's like I ripped Ooh, off Fozzie the Bear. Yeah. Fozzie. And the world of Muppets are being you know, roiled right now. So it's, I don't want to step on any toes. Well, to start the episode, we can talk about some cool things that. Cool. We should maybe like, get a, th- a theme song for that. Like, cool things are cool. <laughs> We need a theme、uh, song for that in Pervert Corner and we'll be all set. Okay. Pervert Corner and theme are、uh, cool things. Cool. <laughs> cool things are cool. <laughs>、uh, well, I had something very interesting happen to me on Friday. Was it a cool thing? It was a cool thing. And not、oh, yeah. cool. Friday, where you skipped out of work Friday. You know, I got you. Yeah. Skipped out of work. Boom. Uh, the wife was away and the kids were in school. Well, dickhead.、Mm. And so I had the house to myself. <laughs> no pants dance. I got you. <laughs>、uh, so <laughs> it's funny because when my wife came back, she's like, Did you clean the fish tank? Did you mow the lawn? Did you? She's like listing off all these things that I really should have done. <laughs> all I wanted to say was,、uh, Nope, I watched all kinds of stuff on Roku. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go through my mental checklist.、Uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, I did not. No. no.、Uh, if I scurry around for 10 minutes to make sure the place was clean before you walk in the door, yeah, yeah. I did that. <laughs> uh, uh, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast. So moving on. Hey.、Uh, I actually I caught a couple things on Netflix that had been on my radar, but I. You know, either didn't have a chance to watch it or they had just come out. The first being Castlevania. I watched that too. You did watch it. What did yeah, you think? Because、yeah. I, I loved it. I liked it and it, the pedigree is good. I didn't even, I saw it sitting there and I was like, okay, I'll give this a try. I saw there's only four episodes. I don't know what that was about, but I started watching it and then I saw that the writer was a guy named Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. Who was one of my favorite comic book writers ever? Well, there you go. He wrote a series called、um, Planetary, which is just excellent. If you get a chance, it's not your typical superhero stuff. It's really like sci fi and it's really fucking good. So, Planetary, Warren Ellis, do it. Watch Castlevania is actually really good too. Yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty quick watch. It was four 22 minute episodes, I think. Yeah, it's like a quarter of what a regular season would have been. Yeah, and、um, it's, if you, there was a, Konami video game for Nintendo Entertainment System back in the 80s called Castlevania、mm-hmm. that I think had a pretty rich backstory to begin with. I don't know if that started with a comic or a, a anime or any of those types of things.、Uh, I think but, the original game was just this dude's going to hunt Dracula. I, I seriously, then that grew from there. Well, if I remember correctly, well, I suppose, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the 
instruction manual that came with the Castlevania game was a story, like a booklet with a story. Okay. I could be I could be wrong. Well, um, yeah, I mean that makes sense. I know, like I still have my original Legend of Zelda NES booklet that came with the game. I don't know if it came with the gold disc or I'm sorry, the gold cartridge only, but it had quite a bit of little. It was like a little story, and I think right, that was right. kind of the thing back then. Um, yeah, all those games. I mean, Metroid. I remember had an extensive booklet that talked about you know Mother Brain and all those space pirates and the Metroids and the whole thing. Do you remember from Metroid the uh, code that you could plug in to give you all unlimited stuff, and oh. it would also put Samus in her uh, leotard swimsuit? Do you remember what it is? Oh, what was it? Oh, geez, Brian. Justin Bailey. Justin Bailey. I knew there was a B in there. Justin Bailey, and then like the, fill out the rest of it with spaces, and that would give you full ammo, full energy, and it would let you start the game as Samus in her in the buff. Anyway, I remember reading about that long after I had stopped playing that game, so I don't know if I ever actually did it. Yeah, I. I it's like a Nintendo it Power fun. thing that I found out about. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess there had been a lot of controversy about what Justin Bailey was, if it was a person, if it was yada, yada, yada. Uh, apparently, it's a British term for a person in their bathing suit <laughs> or or like like a bikini or something. Justin Bailey. Brits, Brits are weird. I, I don't know, man. They got yeah. some strange nomenclature. Anyway. You like that word? Nomenclature. Nomenclature. One each. Um, yeah. Castlevania. Anyway, back to Castlevania. It is well, what? I was just saying, the, for the original PlayStation, there was a game called Symphony of the Night where you didn't even play as a Belmont. You played as Alucard, the son of Dracula. And that was, to this day, one of the best games I've ever played, ever. I, I, I played and replayed. I love that game so much. Well, funny enough, he appears. Spoiler. Oh, I knew exactly who it was as soon as I saw like the shadow in the first episode or whatever the hell that was. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's Alucard. Uh, I played that game so much. Anyway, the Castlevania TV show pretty much sets up the video game. Castlevania. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know what the timeline is, honestly, but I think I don't know if that's before the before the first one or after the first one. I I think it's the before the first one. Okay, because well, he uh, he talks about fighting vampires before he gets to the bar fight, which is awesome. Well, he's Trevor Belmont, and the first game was Simon Belmont, if I remember right. Was it? I think so. Okay. I'm gonna go with this. I'm right, and because I'm you know nobody can tell me I'm wrong right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, right here, right now, I'm going to be right. Nobody can say no. No, you're, you you're right no, with Simon Belmont, but it sets it up. The very first episode sets up the whole video game franchise, as far as I'm concerned, with oh, why sure. why Dracula was such a jerk face. For love. Yeah, because he had a sassy girl barge her way into his castle, and that somehow tickled his funny bone and so he fell in love. Nah, I, I won't spoil it because actually if anybody is listening that hasn't seen it yet, I really, I highly recommend it. You should go watch it. So you said that was one thing you saw. Did you watch something else? I did watch something else and I'm, I'm on the fence about it, but it's enough for me to talk about it. And it is Ozark. Have you seen uh, anything? Is that about the that? one with uh, Jason Bateman? Yeah, Jason Bateman plays it. He wrote it, directed it, produced it, stars in it. Like it is basically his baby. See, I saw like the just I think today I saw like the thing on Netflix saying Ozark, and then that was it. So I it's about it, drugs or something. Yeah, it's strange. He it's not necessarily drugs per se. It's a cartel. It's the second biggest cartel, Mexican cartel, and he is laundering. He's a financial advisor, and he's laundering money for them. And 
it's very Arrested Development like dark. Hmm. So so if Arrested Development is Arrested Development light, this is Arrested Development dark. Is it a comedy? No. It there's oh, comedic. Okay. There's there's a a lot of the thing. Why I'm saying that is Michael Bluth is a funny funny motherfucker. Hmm. He plays another character that's not Michael Bluth, but I'll like. A lot of Michael Blue's characteristics. Just like he's the only sane one around a bunch of assholes or something. Yeah, kind. Of, well, <laughs> yeah. Like everybody else is kind of just doing the thing, and he's the glue that holds things together. And it's like his harebrained schemes that are keeping everything chugging along. And so it, I don't know how to explain it because it's not Arrested Development. But if you watch it, you can definitely see Arrested Development in it. Um, so like Breaking Bad meets Arrested Development. You, oh, I. Yeah, I don't want to say it's darker than Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad was pretty dark. This from the first episode is like he went, he swung for the fences as far as being violent and like put you on your toes and jarring. Um, you know, basically what, his wife is what Laura Linney is that what? It is? Yep, yeah, and no. she's. I mean, I don't mind saying it because he finds out pretty early on, but she's having an affair that he she doesn't know that he knows about so it's a lot of that like do i tell her do i not tell her how do i deal with this um and he's i i guess you know how he's the straight man in arrested development kind of he plays the straight guy For the most doing, doing ridiculous things he's the straight guy in this show doing ridiculous things just the ridiculous things he's doing are super evil <laughs> so um Anyway, I highly recommend it. I watched the first three episodes. Um, the second episode is very predictable. Like, if you read the synopsis at all, it's, it kind of ruins it for you a little bit. But there's, there are a lot of there's a lot of incredibly graphic, violent things that happen, and there's a lot of incredibly funny things that happen. <laughs> he, you know how in the Matrix they filmed it so. Anything that is green, shot through a green filter, you're in the Matrix. Anything shot through a blue filter, you're in the real world. Um, now that you say that, yes, but I guess I never really yeah, they, they on it. filmed that specifically through different filters. So when you're in the Matrix, everything is tinted a certain huh. color. Uh, green, I believe it's green. And everything outside the Matrix is tinted in a different color. This is tinted in blue, like everything is like dark blue everything there's nothing in it that is bright and shiny and awesome everything is like dreary and the music is dreary and people get shot in the eyeball for no reason at all you know like you know mexican mafia stuff (laughs) and uh and he's right in the middle of it and there's schemes there's you know large sums of money there's and comedy i i chuckled more than once death and comedy yeah. Well, did I, I I told you about that show I saw on Amazon Prime, um, The Patriot. Yes. The first, what I want to say, I, I, at least the first four episodes, I was I was busting out laughing, like laugh out loud, just bursting out laughing. It was actually really funny. And then it's like almost like they wanted to hook you in with that because after that it went, it's, it had its funny moments, but it almost completely shifted tone into this kind of really morose, just downbeat. Like you just, this guy just kept getting, like kicking him in the nuts again and again and again. And you just felt so horrible for this, the, the main guy that by the end you're like, geez, this guy's just going to kill himself. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I recommend watching it because, if, like, even just if just for the first four episodes, it's got some hilarious moments in it. Hmm. But if for anybody that's watched it, the best character in that series is the uh, is the nurse. 
is the caregiver that's trying to help the guy recover. I won't say anything more. I'll try to whip your appetite. Watch it for her. She's the greatest. Well, I've, I've seen it on Amazon, and I've kind of skipped over it. There's uh, NFL Films did another uh, show that just followed a team, and that kind of got me hooked. <laughs> so that I'll be watching that on Amazon, and then I'll, I'll try out The Patriot. Um, also in the news, uh, Comic-Con is going on right now, and they are dropping nuggets left and right. I saw two trailers today from Comic-Con. Let What'd me guess. Watch? Was one of them Westworld? No. <gasps> Westworld season two one. got like a minute and a half trailer, and it uh, it's worth uh, like pause the podcast, go watch it right now. Okay, let's go. Okay, so the robot uprising is in full effect, and it's got Dolores on horseback shooting motherfuckers. Nice. Uh, it's got robot horses, robot women, uh, dead tigers i don't know that's weird it's got like control rooms full of dead humans with somebody that i thought was a human to begin with that is they may have spoiled it that it's it's really <laughs> a, a robot um it's pretty because, crappy for a trailer well yeah i guess so except it's got me thinking like make me think back to what i've seen before um but there it does show somebody that I thought was human standing next to Tandy Newton over a bunch of dead humans. Um, huh. So we'll see. But yes, Westworld season two that doesn't come out until 2018 has a trailer. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Those motherfuckers. Oh, I had dune buggies. So there you go. Uh, well, of course. Robots love their dune buggies. I, they can't get enough dune buggies. The, <laughs> Everybody knows that. I think it's one of the laws of robotics or something. That's not uh, harm humans. Asimov's second rule of AI. Wait, what is it? Robotics. Get gnarly with your doom buggy. Okay. What are Asimov had rules for robots, right? Uh, let's see. Rule number one was you can't harm a human or allow a human to be harmed by your inaction. Rule number two is you must use your mouth in a way that humans dictate without questioning, <laughs> I believe. And rule number three, dune buggies. Dune buggies with your mouth available <laughs> on the dune buggy. Um, and anyway, one of the other trailers I saw... That is, I've been anticipating for the last two years. Uh, Ready Player One. Oh wow, I missed that too. Oh my I, god, I, kinda, I was starting to think that wasn't even going to be a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. There's full on trailer, oh. and it shows that tickles uh, every nostalgia button. Oh, oh yes, god. it shows him absolutely obliterating uh, Freddy from Oh yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Which it shows shows was him. Not in the, was oh, that no, in the that, book? No, that wasn't in the book. See, but I knew there. I knew this would be the thing. Once they made the movie, they would throw all kinds of stuff that was never in the book in there. Uh, he shows him absolutely destroying a field of race cars with a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was pretty jazzed to see Ready Player One. What did what What did you watch? Pizza. Okay. Well, I watched just because I'm a masochist. Was the Justice League the new yeah. Justice League trailer? Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I'm not hoping anything at this point. I don't. I'm gonna go with a safe bet and say it's probably gonna be disappointing. <laughs> well, I knew that Although you. Although Josh that. Sweden took the reins and is tweaking the crap out of it, so I don't know. I, you hear rumors of massive reshoots and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe I halfway through that trailer, you know what I decided? Mm. These are cartoons. Yeah. These these are modern day cartoons. It was ninety percent CGI. Would that? Would you concur with that? Uh yeah. With that dude, you know, dropping down on his hands and knees, that whole classic pose, and the... everything was CG. Right. Everything. And halfway although through... I will, 
Oh, I want to say this though. DC, where they're killing it right now is their cartoons, their actual like movie cartoons. Like they're making animated movies yeah. that are like PG thirteen between almost between PG thirteen and R. Like they're that risque. They're that cutting, you know, that fine line that I would say those cartoon movies are actually more pushing the envelope than these live action movies that got going right now. Yeah. Well, like I said, halfway through this, I decided this is a cartoon. This is me Saturday morning, you know, in the early 80s, sitting around watching a cartoon. <laughs> and I didn't care. When I was a kid, I didn't care how bonkers it was. I didn't I didn't know anything yeah. about story development and all that stuff. What was good was good, and I just sat there and watched cartoons. Shot my brain off for a week at, for a Saturday morning. Not yeah. like I had a lot going on, but it was still enough for me to be like, eh, I don't care. I'm sitting here watching cartoons. Suck it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it. so what if it's just a big cartoon? I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to let that dictate whether I like it or don't like it. The story is going to have to be what does it for me. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. The story is the number one thing. But having said that, all things being equal, I tend to steer away from CGI fest as a natural reflex. Well, I guess when it comes to practical effects versus CG, what are they trying to accomplish? Because I don't right, think right. that you can you can do some you can't things. Do. Right. Well, yeah, and I'm sure you're going to mention it. So I'm just going to throw it out there right now. I watched the Thor Ragnarok trailer. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the other one you were going to mention? No, is there a new one? Because I did not see yes, that one either. There's a new Thor trailer that is extended, and it's it even more showcases that director's style of humor. Yeah. It feels like it's taking Thor in a completely different direction in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's make like, I don't know, Thor was introduced as like the good time having, you know, beer drinking party boy of uh the time where everybody else was trying to like fight crime and stuff he you know was the party boy but then he got fun with it (laughs) yeah and he got down to business and turned you know as serious as thor could turn but this is a straight-up comedy as far as i'm concerned or at least in the previews they are choosing to show the funny parts trying to maybe capitalize on some of the guardians of the galaxy wave in which as we've talked about before, may not, may or may not be what the finished product's going to be because those trailers can be very, very right. misleading. Right, but even the the title sequence for Thor Ragnarok is very Guardians of the Galaxy esque. Yeah, the music that they play during the preview is very much like Guardians of the Galaxy. The Led Zeppelin, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's totally and completely trying to capitalize on that and i can't blame them i mean yeah well let's be honest like out of all the marvel movies i think the thor ones are the ones that people are just like meh kind of shrugging their shoulders about like nobody's sitting there saying i love those first two thor movies those are the great in fact the first thor movie was not really all that good at all mm-hmm. the second one was entertaining enough but i don't think anybody's favorite marvel movie is the thors so I'll, when they I'll get the third you, one coming the the hidden gem in those which every chick seems to dig is loki yeah he's apparently he's the diamond in the rough for those movies which is enough to put him as a main villain in the first avengers movie which makes sense right just if you know Uh, avengers that makes sense more than one way but i mean yeah so i can't blame them for trying to shift gears for the third movie saying okay we know what's popular right now i mean even watching that justice league trailer the flash is their I don't know, Star Lord. They're they're comic relief. Comic they're, relief, yeah. At the yeah. end when he's when they uh they all take everybody off. disappears and he's like, ah, it's kinda rude. Yeah. 
And he's he's like, I I don't usually fight. I just push people. He's definitely supposed to be the comic relief, which might work. But I'm I'm not holding my breath on this one. I yeah. I'm just like I feel like they might be trying too hard. Like I've, like you said, Guardians of the Galaxy is warping everything around it. Where now I see a slew of new comic book movies being a lot of comedy, a lot of real farces, tongue in cheek stuff, mm-hmm. which worked for Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll have to see if it works for anything else. I, I, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah, it actually yeah, but. Deadpool had its own magic, which was the the magic of R. Yeah, that's true. More, more movies need to do. I'm sorry. PG-13's bullshit. But, well, what I was getting at, was I watched the Thor preview, and it was the same exact thing as Just League. It was almost all CG. Almost all of it. Yeah. Which, you know, is what it is. How are you going to build sets, and how are you going to have these incredible characters without CG? So... It gets a pass for me, but it also brought up a really good question that I want to ask you being the supreme keeper of this knowledge, mm-hmm. um, Justice League versus Avengers. Who wins? Justice League. As yeah. much as I'm a Marvel zombie, <laughs> Justice League just has more. Like, they've done this, and they it's the argument. So I'll, I'll go into my, I'll put my nerd pants on. My nerd pants have. Nerd you know, pants, nerd pants. I think the song. <laughs> nerd pants. They're like space pants, but for nerds. <laughs> um yeah i was thinking the same thing i mean you've got super yeah i think nerd pants have to be blue and red but anyways <laughs> uh, so yeah justice league has superman obviously like the epitome of superheroes but having said that once again we're getting into nerd territory thor could beat superman comic book thor could beat comic book superman just because superman's weak against two things like against kryptonite and magic and thor is all about magic love we're all weak against love <laughs> and flowing blonde locks and piercing blue eye oh wait what no Oh, well, I was just thinking Lois Lane. <laughs> I was thinking gay. So I guess oh. my joke fell flat. Um, you went straight Thor. down Gay Avenue. Didn't We're all gay for Thor is what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, well, who wouldn't be? Anyways. So Thor could beat Superman. Thor could beat Superman just because he's got his whole stick is magic. But Batman's going to beat Captain America. You know, Wonder Woman's going to beat, I don't even know, Iron Man would be like the other analog, I guess, from the, for, for the Avenger. Like, she's just like. She's female Superman, so Iron Man goes up against her. She's going to beat the crap out of him, rip his armor apart, and he's going to be screwed over. And then you go back and forth. Martian Manhunter is stronger than the Vision. Uh, you know, Green Arrow is better than Hawkeye. Just the Justice League is going to win. Mm-hmm. They really are. Green Lantern's better than, I don't know who would be on the Avengers, Scarlet Witch. Although Scarlet Witch is, in the comic books, it's like, what can we have something crazy happen? We'll have the Scarlet Witch do it. Like, her powers are just plot devices we need something crazy to happen scarlet witch can do it right we well, need the, all the avengers to die scarlet witch can do it we need them come back to life scarlet witch can do it like she just whatever's crazy she can do cook bacon perfectly yeah uh, you know but you've got make bacon taste like a hamburger she could do that but i like that my bacon it tastes like bacon uh, you could have the flash can. flash go back in time yeah the flash is faster than quicksilver you know it just it's all over over and over again so yeah but having said that the characters of marvel are better they're more deep they're more realized they're more fleshed out mm-hmm. so i'm always more of a marvel fan than a dc yeah me too i um i guess i i kind of cut my teeth on justice league uh saturday morning cartoons so the super friends super yeah. friends and the hall of justice and then when i started getting comics i batman was my my go-to so it's like i'm dc all the way until the movies and then i'm i'm all uh, and the dc movies aren't exactly <laughs> recruiting people away from the marvel fold so right 
So what was your other since I... Oh, so the good one was the Stranger Things trailer. Oh, I actually avoided that. Not on purpose, just there were like so many things I had to watch. And I saw the uh, the Psych movie. Psych is one of my favorite TV shows. You're making a movie on that? They're huh? making a movie that comes out in December and they did a bunch of shorts, like short film, th- like little two minute gags that I just started watching over and over and over and over. And the next thing I know... Uh, I forgot all about Stranger Things, but I did. I did see it, and the headline was "Everything's the Upside Down," or or no, the Stranger Things two turns everything upside down, or something like I, that. It's it's picks up where the first one left off. Obviously, the kid that was you know abducted. Eleven. Is, no, the uh, boy. The oh, his name. Winona Ryder's yeah. kid. Yeah, the abducted boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing starts off with them, you know going to an arcade having fun then he starts randomly seeing the upside down it comes like just like it just like the first season ended mm-hmm. and then it starts to build up the who is it vincent price's voiceover for the thriller video yeah, yeah. starts and then the thriller not exactly the thriller it's like a thriller remix but michael jackson starts playing for the music so they're hitting all these 80s buttons kind of like the first teaser had that you show them running around their ghostbusters costumes and mm-hmm. i swear there's a scene and maybe i'm just reading more into it than there should be but there's a scene with steve that really feels lost boys-esque to me oh and it was like a flash and i'm probably over analyzing it but I, to me it feels like Lost Boys ish. Well, I'll have to watch it now. Well, I was definitely going to watch it before, but now I'll. Yeah, it's worth watching. It's it was pretty good. I I enjoyed. It. I was getting thrilled again. I got that old that old tickle down my leg. You know, perp corner. No, nah, that's not that's not perp. Well, it is if you're a certain type of person. Water sports. <laughs> have you have you seen the picture? Corn showers. Cornhub dot com. Is it involved corn shit? Corn showers. <laughs> what a corn shower. You don't know what a corn shower is. I think that's what the Indians gave each other before the white man came. <laughs> Definitely offended somebody with that one. Yeah. Anyway, just go to Google Image Search and look up cornhub.com. I probably shouldn't, right? No, it's just it. Everything oh, wait, is that, that that was a April Fool's joke Pornhub made, right? Yeah, it looks like Pornhub, but it's corn and Pornhub, all the videos yeah, are right. like corn getting chucked and stuff. <laughs> uh, but if you go to <laughs> cornhub.com, it says that the domain is for sale for like $360,000. It's funny. Nice. Anyway, hey, speaking of cool things to watch, what's what's a show that you're watching right now? Speaking of space pants, huh? I tied it together. I put on my nerd pants, but I said they were like space pants. Remember space pants was Peter Dinklage's Space Pants Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always tie it together, man. I got that I got that skill. Peter Dinklage, what show is he on? Ooh, a, 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 a Game of Ice and Fire. A Song of Thrones. Game of fucking Thrones. Game of fucking Thrones. Have you ever seen... Booby, booby, booby. <laughs> You've seen the, the YouTube video of the guy that sings over the Game of Thrones theme song? <laughs> no, Have I ever... haven't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to check that out when we're all done here. So he takes the Game of Thrones trailer and our uh, opening theme song. And it's basically just Game of Thrones, Game of fucking Thrones. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, That's good. Yeah, I worked on so, that. So yes, we're going to spend this episode delving into a mutual passion of ours. Water Game. sports. Oh, wait. Game of what, Thrones. What t-shirt contest? What? Golden showers. <laughs> Corn showers. Um, so it counts. Uh, Game of Thrones. I am... Let, let me tell you my experience with Game of Thrones. Okay. I've watched the TV show. 
And I, mm-hmm. this is another show that I resisted and didn't start watching until the fourth season. So I watched the fifth and sixth season as the episodes aired. I binge watched seasons one through four. I haven't read any of the books. Go ahead. However, I have listened to the Hardcore Game of Thrones podcast, which is like eight hours of a guy talking, explaining everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently not even everything. Holy crap. He could do another 16 hours. Oh, true. When I say everything, it kind of dotted some I's and crossed some T's. Um, Things that I was, when I watched when I binge watched and that's a problem I have with binge watching is sometimes details get lost because I'm trying to watch so many episodes, but um, it kind of tied some things together for me. Why one person was acting another that those first two or three episodes really confused the shit out of me. Um, Especially with the first hand of the King and he uh, poisoned and it was an inside job and he was laying there in you know doing his thing dead and then cersei and jamie were standing over him talking i didn't i had no clue what they were talking about not even a little bit i was playing i was going through the motions didn't know and i don't know i maybe three episodes in things started to click for me and i could probably go back and watch those first three episodes and it would make a lot more sense to me but it it was tough to get into because of that yeah but but that being said, that opening scene probably made all kinds of sense to people who have read the books. So yes, inter Steve. <laughs> so if if you're listening to this and you're a fan of Game of Thrones, the TV show, the HBO series, you probably have that one friend that is going to sit there next to you, going, "Uh, this is different than the books." And <laughs> well, the books they did this. Yeah, I'm that friend. I started reading the books in the '90s, like when God. we started writing them. You're such a hipster. I know, right? I was going, I liked it for it's cool. <laughs> but, well, and you say in the 90s because that's when he started. Think about that. 20 years, something mm-hmm. like that. 20 plus years. And he's not even close to being done. He's got at least two or three more books before he wants to finish it. Mm. And it's been, God, what? Nine, eight, nine years since the last one came out? Yeah. I'm, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what I wanted to say was what we're watching these what we're on season six now or seven. Seven. This is season seven that started now. And we're looking into a very small window of the actual history of this world. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, like, what what about this hooks you in? Like, you're not a big fantasy reader from what I, you know, have gathered over. I have not. I've not read read a ton of fantasy. Well, have you ever even read like the Lord of the Rings or that? Yep. I've read Lord of the Rings. Okay. But I didn't read. You got the basics. Um, I read The Hobbit in like comic book form, like graphic novel form when I was a kid. And of course, I watched the te- the, the little made for movie cartoon they had, which is kind of dark. If I remember. Yeah. Right. And I read all three of the main novels when the when the first movie came out, I read the first three. I bought them and read them, but I didn't read any of the other like the Silmarillion or whatever it's called. Silmarillion reads like the Bible. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't read any of the other things but anyway um what hooked me on the tv show was everybody else was watching it and i wanted to be part of it (laughs) you if you know anything about me by now it's that i like to be involved in the conversation and i will eat a plate of shit by (laughs) 
watching the stupidest TV show just so I can have the know, be in the know when it comes to having a conversation. Oh my God. You know what you got to watch next then? Uh, Serbian film? No, I already saw that. What? No, just just rewatch it. Forget <laughs> the last episode. Forget our advice. Just rewatch it. Uh, no. Um, You're going to have to watch Handmaid's Tale. Oh, God, I am. I mean, there I? it is. Yeah. I, I watched That's the first be, that episode. Thing's, that thing's already being nominated for all kinds of crap. You're going to have to watch it. Certified 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't get it. I don't. It's the highest rated TV show that is nominated for an Emmy this year. Can yeah, you, yeah. I, I can't believe it. It's like it's going to have to really uh, do something. I can see things. the future. Just I'm going to reveal the superpower I have. I see the future. Yeah. It's going to win. Yeah, probably will. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll finish watching it, but not until after I'm done watching all the other things I want to watch because the first episode really turned me off. <clears throat> and wait, there are a couple things that I don't watch as a point. As I think a principle? That's, as, yeah. Based on principle, I don't watch stuff of select few things, even though other people are talking about them. <laughs> they escape me right now. But The Handmaiden's Tale is definitely one of them. <laughs> uh, what? It escapes you? No, that's rare. Yeah. I know that there are things that we, we sit and we talk about, and then you guys go on about that. Game of Thrones used to be one of those things that I was like, yeah, nope, yeah. nope, I'm not going to watch it, not going to watch it. And then I think Rob was like, oh, yeah, they were doing it and totally boobs. And, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, God. Which, that's the first two, three seasons, like boobs, boobs, and more boobs. Yeah, it's almost yeah, I want to see boobs. If you go back and listen to our uh, stylized violence and graphic nudity yeah, podcast. Yeah. But, um, Which you should. If you haven't, pause the podcast, go listen to it. Yeah. It's a precursor. Try and catch up. Yeah, this is a sequel, maybe. Um, but I think what hooked me on Game of Thrones was it is a really good story. It is a really, really good, deep story that is mm-hmm. as deep as you want to make it. Like, you don't have to know all of the history of Westeros if you don't want to. You, can, I always, you can watch it for what it is. What I always tell people, if they're interested... If, if if they're curious about it, I tell them the same thing. It is, and this is what I told people back in the 90s. Like, I had friends that were big into fantasy, but they didn't read this. I was the first person I knew. Wow, I really am a hipster. <laughs> um, I was, Whatever, I'm going to own it. Yeah. You know what? I yeah. was the first person I knew that read these books. Like, I got, I had friends that read the Lord of the Rings, the Shannara books, the uh, Wheel of Time books. But I was the first one I knew that read these books. And I kind of got my brother into it, so he read them too. But he was the only one I could talk to about them. But anybody that was kind of like my best friend read a lot of fantasy but didn't read these. And I was like, and maybe I turned him off by saying this, but I described it this way. It is fantasy second, but political and political intrigue and drama first. Yeah. The the books especially, but if you watch a TV show, you, you get that. Yeah. Like for every instance that you're sitting there like the others are coming, they got dragons, this big battle, blah, 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 blah. It's how this one's going to stab this one in the back and how this one outmaneuvered that one and the plots and the schemes and the Machiavelli, you know, sympathies for this character and that character. Nobody's actually a staunch good guy and nobody's really that much of a bad guy. Like they all have their sympathies. Even the most worst characters in this, like um, Tywin Lannister, the, the Lannister patriarch, who's manipulating his way through this, causing people to get stabbed and murdered and betrayed and blah, 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 blah. Once you find out his backstory, you got sympathy for him. You know, like his wife died in childbirth. His father was a joke. So he, it was up to him to salvage the family and make it a strong power again. 
you know, stuff like that. Like you see where he came. Like there's no black and white. There's all gray characters. Every character here has the good aspects, their bad aspects, motivations that you understand why they had to do what they did, even though you don't agree with the results, what have you. It's very in-depth. Well, just to take it another level of that, for all those things that you're talking about, there are precise mechanisms for those things falling into place. What I mean by that is Tywin was like each family has I don't want to I don't want to ruin this a, a but flavor. Well, royal families all have a head of the household, you know, the the patriarch, right? Okay, yeah. And that person is responsible for they're the warden of whatever the you know the the well yeah I'm totally gonna ruin this the uh, the ruler of all they survey yeah you got they're, the warden of the north fiefdom. south east and west. right so yeah. you've got all these families and and then the head of these families they take on um they take on like stewards from other families and Tywin was one of these stewards correct didn't he like don't they like learn their learn how to be uh the head of their house under like different the, the tutelage of different houses isn't that yeah, correct they'll foster them like right like the big big one was um ned stark and um robert, robert. baratheon were tutelage though they were they were fostered under john aaron so and i think what was it tywin lancer was fostered under the Targaryens? Like, he became friends with Ares. Yeah. Who was the Mad King, who was, like, the impetus, the uh, spark that set the whole series that we're familiar with on fire. Right. So what I'm getting at is it borrows from, like, medieval time. Right. Oh, yeah. He borrows heavily from actual, genuine medieval custom. But then he he doesn't hold himself uh so accountable to those that he doesn't deviate like he he does his own thing but uh there's a lot of it there so, but what i'm getting at is tywin lannister if you if you want to de- dive into this story tywin lannister was a young boy at one point right there's a story of him being a young boy you don't watchers of the show don't understand they just see this guy on screen being a total and complete dickbag but they don't understand everything that he had to go through and if you read the books you will that's right you get you get the and well i I do want to say there's parts in the tv show and they did this there's some things in the tv show they do better than the book and this one was um i i think of maybe second season when aria is on the run and she's in heron hall and tywin lannister's there and she's kind of serving him you know serving him food, serving him wine, whatever. So he kind of like talks to her and explains what his his uh, sympathies are and what his motivations are. That was the scene that never happened in the books. She's at Hall, but Tywin Lannister never is. You find his story in the books just because people around him, his brother and stuff like that, start, start talking about him. Mm. But that was actually a pretty good scene in the in the, uh, in the the TV show. Yeah. Well, um, that that's another thing that flew right over my head was in the first few episodes, they go down to the catacombs. And they're yeah. they're talking about some of the different statues that are down there, some of the different tombs that are down there, and the people that are in them, and like that they have significance and who they are. If you don't dig up any of that history, those are throwaway scenes, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, they go in one out in one ear out the other. Totally, yep. I can see that. Yeah, like, I, it- I knew for the most part because I I will just say this: I I read the books and I read 
when a new book came out, I reread the other one. So I reread the first like three, four books, probably like five or six times each. Yeah. Seriously. So I knew by the time the TV show came out exactly who all these kind of ancillary side characters were. The, well, so I, I feel you, but I can't, I can't commiserate. I'm sorry. Well, no, I had to be interested enough to go seek out some stuff. I was listening to a podcast where this guy, because last season, after every episode, I'd go and I'd seek out recaps and I'd I'd seek out people that were talking about it and kind of digest as much as I could. And I was listening to one podcast where one of the guys was talking about how interested he was that he read the books and then he listened to the books on tape, watched the TV show, read the books again, then listened to them all on tape. So, I mean, that's, like, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> that's that's hardcore. And he knew his shit. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can. <laughs> I could listen to him on tape. I've got plenty of time on my commute to listen to him back and forth, back and forth. And I got like 10 minutes in and I'm like, I cannot stand this guy's voice because <laughs> he was like this crusty British dude that was doing like all the voices, even the women's voices and stuff. You're like, go hide. And then Catherine said, yes, I love, I love Ned. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was like, there's no way I'm listening to this. So then I thought, well, I'll just read the books. And then I couldn't find a copy and I wasn't going to pay for it. So anyway, what it all boiled down to was like, I will watch the TV show and I will watch YouTube people explaining it and I will listen to podcasts and that'll be good enough for me. And for the most part, it worked because I can recommend, uh, I highly recommend anybody that is interested and doesn't want to go and try and figure out the books for themselves. If you subscribe to Howl.fm, they do Premiere or Prime podcast, which means you have to pay for it. But if you just go for the 30-day free trial and then cancel, that's fine too. Howl.fm, they have an app, and they have a podcast in there called uh, Hardcore Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. it is done in the hardcore history style. But like this yeah, but this guy does it justice, and he I learned so much from that. It It is long. It's eight hours worth of stuff, but that's tip of the iceberg. But still, there is a lot, lot of info there. Like, you understand Robert's Rebellion, which may be the topic of one of the spinoffs. So... Um, I, I knew, I knew nothing of Robert, Robert's rebellion. I knew absolute squat diddly. And after listening to this podcast, I knew everything there was to know about it. Almost as if I had read the books back in the nineties before it was cool. Oh, you know, you can never be that cool, but you can, you can get get close. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even me, like those just reading the books, just the books, George R. R. Martin has come out with a whole, he's fleshed out his universe, his world in a way that I never realized, that is, I find deeply fascinating. So there's a, and I just, sadly enough, just realized this today, there's a compendium, like a companion book he made a couple of years ago called um, A World of Ice and Fire. Because the series is not called Game of Thrones. It's called A Song of Ice and Fire. That's the name of the series. The first book is called The Game of Thrones, and that's it. But they've decided to call the TV show, the entire thing, Game of Thrones. I get it. But anyways, A World of Ice and Fire is the compendium, and he fleshes out the entire world he's set up with legends and histories and just tidbits and Easter eggs that are just crazy that I've... There's a whole uh, YouTube series this guy does where he talks about... Uh, it's called... Uh, just look this crazy. Ideas, Ideas of Ice and Fire. Fire. Yeah, Ideas of Ice and Fire. He does a Really quick, like the longest one's 10 minutes. We'll go into different aspects of the world that Jordan is, or Jordan, I'm sorry, uh, Martin has created. And it's, 
I love it. I that that is my bread and butter. That is my that that's, this is what gets me hard. Is whoa, I know. Corner. Yeah, is uh, I mean, how was I going to get Pervert Corner going with when we're talking about Game of Thrones? I don't know how. Oh right, because there's no yeah, yeah, for no way. Um, but this is uh, is just this nuance and this layer and this. You know that if you read about this scene and this character says this throwaway line about the other or a shine shadow or the the five forts or something like that and then it moves on plot wise and they don't mention it again that tickles your imagination and the idea that there's this whole like the struggle that we're seeing is dwarfed by what's actually the rest of what's out there i love that stuff. I, I love yeah. it so much well let's let's kind of fill everybody in just the cliff notes version um you have two you have a, a world in a world, you have two continents, Westeros and Essos, which might actually be one giant continent. And we don't realize it. See, <laughs> what do I say? What I say? It's My crazy. mind is blown. Well, for this, for what we know right now, right, right, it's it's two continents. It did used to be one. It used to be there's a land bridge that connected them. Well, they got destroyed until until the Great Doom. But you know, mm-hmm. see, you know your stuff. I know, I know some shit. Uh, anyway, there's there's two continent westeros and essos what we see in the tv show is the uh westeros is divided into seven kingdoms Mm -hmm. uh and at the very tippy top there's like an arctic circle the best i can describe it and below the arctic circle is a wall like a 700 foot wall of ice that was built with magic right right well and Magic and engineering. Well, magic and engineering. But right. um, anyway, it was built and it is now manned by uh, the Watch. The, the Night's Watch. The Night's Watch, which somehow the wildlings call them the Crows. Is that like an official thing? Yeah, well, I mean, they're all they wear sigil, black. Their sigil is a crow. I don't think it is. I think, I think it's just because, maybe I'm wrong on this, but they all wear black. They call them the Black Brotherhood. So... The wildlings call them crows because they're all in black. Yeah. So north of the wall is uh, a group of people which are the Northlings, right? Wildlings. Wildlings. The wildlings. And they're also called something else. Free folk. Free folk. That's right. Free folk or the wildlings. And basically they are made up of people that have either been born there or have exiled themselves. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much just like big tribal yeah, right, and they sure tribes of people, yeah. Yeah, and they war amongst themselves. They cross the wall whenever they can to do raids. So the anyway, and then also there's this mysterious uh mysterious race of men. They only have shown men so far, but there's this mysterious race uh called the others or white walkers or whites. Right, W I G H T. Yes, and they are very magical. <laughs> They're not like white power supremacists or nothing like that. They're not Nazis well, I mean, or anything. You had to talk about the blacks on the wall. That's true. So black versus white, it's it's a whole social commentary. No, uh, so there's the whites that are magical, and they can raise the dead to be their army. But well, they're, they're very mysterious. I'm going to be this asshole. Technically, the others are the ones raising the dead, and the dead are the white. It's, a, it's essentially another word for zombie. Okay, yeah, there are these, like, after somebody dies, the others can bring them back to life and be animated and walk again and fight right. for them. And they're, they are zombies. They'll do whatever the others tell them to do. So you've got the others, the wildlings, the people manning the wall, uh, which is the Night's Watch. So then below that, you have uh, Winterfell, 
which is the Northern Kingdom. It's the right? uh, capital of the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, capital of the Northern Kingdom. There are some other parts up there. Like I think one of them is called the Gift. Is that a attractive the land? Gift, that, the, yeah, attractive land that was given to the Night's Watch to you know be in charge of. Yes, and so. I get a little bit sketchy on the map uh, from there. I know that below that is the Walt, Walder Frey and his family. They control yeah. the twins, which is the like twins. A, yeah, okay, which is yeah. essentially uh, the You're only a good place to cross this huge river area. There's in- it, it connects the north with the southern part of the continent, and it is the most practical way to cross well if the you, neck is what connects the north with the southern if you want to get into the riverlands you have to go through the twins it's yeah it's it's, it's weird nuances right so you have to the east of that is the veil correct yeah like a, it's a mountainous region it's called the the um capital's called the Erie. you know like yep. where yeah so birds. uh the veil you have river run which is directly Runs. below that right Kind of, kind of to the west a little bit. It's kind of like the center of the Riverland, bunch yeah. of tributaries and rivers. It was, it was what it sounds like. And then way over to the west, you have the Iron Islands. Well, along the coast, you have the Lannisters, the Lannisport. Okay, is, is where they're from. But then, yeah, a group of islands off off the coast is called the Iron Islands, right? Yeah, and then which is basically a bunch of pirates. <laughs> yeah, and or then Vikings. I guess they're closer to Viking like yeah. analogy. Then. I'm going to skip all the way down to the south and start there, and that's the Dorne? Like, yeah, the furthest south is Dorne, which is part of the Seven Kingdoms, but they're semi-autonomous. So they have their own, they're, they're subject to the Iron Throne, which is overall, the, the king is the rule of the Iron, of the Seven Kingdoms. He sits on the Iron Throne. He, uh, King's Landing is, a, is the capital of the entire continent. And Dorne is one of the Seven Kingdoms, but sem, semi-autonomous, like I said, they have a prince instead of a, warden they kind of do their own thing but they still pay tribute to because they were sort of conquered sort of not conquered it's a weird gray yeah. area and then further up you have high garden yeah and they're like next to dorn so they don't in, in ages past they're like kind of like guarded the rest of the kingdom against dorn when dorn wasn't really part of them so they don't like each other that much and high garden is also would be like the agricultural yeah it's very like battle. fruitful yeah, like yeah. they the the rest of the continent gets a lot of their food from High Garden. Yeah, yeah. And then I know I'm missing one. There's a Stormlands. Stormlands, which is on the coast and the east of the continent. Yeah, I believe I might be wrong about that. I th- I think that's way more. Like I'm not a hundred percent on this. Like some of the map stuff. It's been long enough that that I sat down and really looked at it that I might be wrong on some of this stuff. But the long and short of it is, King's Landing is the capital of the entire continent. And then there, it's broken up into different states. To, yeah, to, like different regions. If regions, yeah. If we're going to equate it to anything, it would be different regions, and each region is then uh, headed up by a different family. Right. And those families have to uh, kneel to the king in Kingsland. Yeah. Hail to uh, the king, baby. Hail to the king, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the extreme south and the extreme north are ruled in a different way i guess is the best way to put it they are well the north where the starks rule from winterfell is almost as big as the rest of the south combined yes like it's checking but it's well it's empty it's it's cold it's not very you know farmable so it's it's very like unpopulated yeah 
And um, if there's anything that you need to know about Game of Thrones, the TV show, from the first season all the way through, something you should know is winter is coming. Oh, winter's always coming. Well, winter's coming. It's current season, winter is here. True. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> what I mean by that is the seasons on this in this world, which it's definitely not Earth, but it behaves like Earth with night and sort day of. and seasons to some degree. But um, winter or the long night, they might call it, would be kind of like um, sometimes winter lasts seven years. Sometimes it lasts longer, sometimes shorter. But when the season of winter comes, everybody has to hunker down and kind of suffer. Yeah, there's characters in the book, you know, when the book starts, there's characters that are nine, ten years old that have never seen winter. Like, for whatever reason, in this world, the seasons last for years instead of cycling through all four every year. Yeah. And you're, I, like I said, I'm going to be that asshole. Technically, a winter is not the long night. The long nights are like a mythical, legendary period in the past that was like horrific, that almost killed off humanity. But it comes during winter. But it does come during winter, right? <laughs> but not, but not every winter is a long night. Like the right. long night was literally there was no sunlight for years, which sounds cool in a fantasy setting. Doesn't work really well in real life because nothing grows if there's no like you you can't eat, you get rickets. I mean, that's it's a bad scene. Vampires go village to yeah. village. Owls deafen everybody with their incessant hooting. Mm. Simpsons. <laughs> oh, I was hoping there was going to be a Simpsons reference. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. What's another rule that applies to... Oh, um, so there are these families, and it's very important to belong to a family if you want to have any type of lifestyle that's not basically just living in squalor. Um, if you don't want to be raped and pillaged by everybody around you, you if, better be If powerful. you're just your typical subject, you're a peasant. You're as good as, you know, livestock. And Which was the medieval world in our... In our yeah. reality, in the real world, that's what it was like for the bulk of like Europeans in the Middle Ages. Was your life sucked? Yeah, <laughs> your if life you just sucked. right. But if you were born to into the family, then you lived a better life. If you were part of the ruling class, you had a better life. Now that being said, if you were born as a bastard, if you were born, you know, from like your father was the king shit of that area and he just had sex with a whore and she crapped out a kid, your last name would be regional. Yeah. So it'd be like, if you're in the North, it'd be snow. If you're in the, in the reach, in the area, it'd be stone. If you're in the stormlands, it'd be storm. If you're in the South, it'd be flowers, you know, stuff like that. Right. Rivers if you're in the West. So there are some pretty major characters in the TV show that are bastards but they're main characters and they live with their best way. I put it is their father that, yeah. but they're not their mother. So like one of the main characters is Jon Snow. Uh, if you're going to point to like a main character in the entire series, he would probably. Be- yeah. The, the, um, the two snow bastards that have major pivotal scenes. One is Jon Snow and the other one is the Bolton kid, the Roos Ramsey, Ramsey snow. And they share a last name. Ramsey and Jon Snow share the last name. But other than that, they couldn't be further apart as far as their their upbringing and um, their treatment and their state of mind. But um, there's who else is a bastard on the show that we follow? 
Are there any other bastards? Uh, on the show, I don't think... I, I can't think of any. In the books, there's just some throwaway characters that are... Like, in the first season, in the first book, there's a whole storyline where Ned, Eddard Stark, the head of the Winterfell, the Stark family, is called to King's Landing to because he's best friends with the king, Robert Baratheon. And shenanigans ensue, as shenanigans have a tendency to do, and Ned Stark ends up investigating what him, him and Robert's mentor, John Aaron, was investigating before John Aaron died, which is he keeps going to uh, Robert Baratheon's bastard because Robert Baratheon is this guy that loves the poontang. <laughs> yeah, he was horning around. Yeah, he just popped out. He just banged whoever had two legs and was smiling at him. And he's so bastard. So there is all these bastards that pop up like in the eerie. So there's this uh, Eli- Ilaria? Stone, I can't remember offhand, but yeah, there's his bastards pop up, which which are given bastard names. Um, but beyond that, Gendry, which is kind of a main character in the first couple books, I don't know if he was called Stone or anything like that, but he was a bastard, and I don't, I can't think of anybody else beyond him that was, you know, any, any of any consequence. Yeah. Well, um, oh no, there's one that was on Dragonstone that Stannis was going to sacrifice in the book. Yeah, I don't remember That's his right. name, but uh. The Onion Knight. No, no, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Said they. He rescued him and sent him on his way. Yeah. Um, Sir Davos. Davos. What? Yeah, Davos. Yeah. Davos. He's my favorite character on the show. Really? He's pretty good. I I like Davos. Kind of reminds me of my dad. He's everybody's dad, you know. (laughs) Well, he's got a lot of my dad's mannerisms. He looks like him, and so. Oh, okay. I'm. I'm, Except for the lack of fingers. Although my dad did almost chop his fingers off. Yeah. Uh, have you talked to your dad lately? Maybe he doesn't have any fingers. Oh know. God! You don't know for sure. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I'm sorry. If your dad loses fingers, I apologize. I probably jinxed him. <laughs> no, he's already tried to cut him off. Um, <laughs> so let's see. There is for King's Landing. There's a king who sits on the Iron Throne, which is a throne made of swords of the enemy. Right? Yeah. Aegon the Conqueror, who is a Targaryen, came from Old Valyria. When after Valyria fell and had dragons, which is like the, the the theme, the central hub of the entire series is for years and years, the rulers of Westeros had dragons. He was the first one. He came with his two sisters who he boned. Of course. Because, you know, they're hot. Who cares if they're your sisters? I don't have sisters, so I don't understand. But, you know, I get it. Anyways. <laughs> what else? Uh, what else? But uh, he came. He conquered as his, you know, because he has the name of Conqueror. So what are you going to do? And all his conquered enemies, he would use the dragons to burn down, melt down the swords, and made a throne out of it. Yeah. Which, apparently, the the whole shtick is that the sword pokes you in the ass if you sit, <laughs> the throne pokes you in the ass if you sit on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it's made of a bunch of swords. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, so the king sits on, whoever the king is, the king or, sits queen. On the, or queen sits on the Iron Throne. Then, their next in charge is the Hand of the King. Who actually... There's a saying in the Game of Thrones universe, the king takes a shit and the hand wipes his ass. Yeah. The the hand of the king does all the work. Yeah. While the king rules crazily or parties like it's 1999. <laughs> so, so you have the king, hand of the king, then you have a council, which is essentially cabinet members that yeah. uh, one is in charge of the coin. What's his name? What's the little finger? Master of the coin. Master of the coin. And then what's uh, the eunuch? It's Varys, right? Oh, uh, Varys, who is, he's a spy master, basically. 
Yeah, but I guess I was looking for like his official title. Anyway, I don't think he has an official title. Yeah, one of the central points in this whole thing is uh, religion, and it's the religion is the sign of the seven, right? The worship of the seven. It's um worship of the seven. Martin tried to make a play on Judeo Christian. It's seven gods who are one god. So seven aspects of the same god. Seven faces of one god. Yep. So it's like the Trinity. You have three three gods, but there's one god. Yeah. So he did up to he he did the spinal tap thing. He turned to elevens. <laughs> <laughs> um. But so they're these uh, religious like meisters. Is that what they're? That's not religious. The the, the meisters is the science, right? Is the yeah? They're the they're like the advisors. They're the people that. They go to this place called Old Town and they learn science. It's history, science, philosophy, what have you, engineering, whatever scholars. disciplines. Yeah. They're Basically, they're the high mucky mucks of the scholar world. So you have a meister that is on the council, which is a scholar. You have a priest. Yeah. The high septon, I believe. High it's sept. That's what I was trying to yeah, think of. Yeah. yeah. The high sept, the meister, septon. Septic septic system. You have a septic. Well, if you know my opinions on it, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the the high septon, yeah, because it's the sept is the actual building. It's like a church. Yeah. So the high septon, a maester, grand maester, grand maester, which is a scholar. Then you have the master of the coin, which is basically the financial advisor. Then the spy master, but I, I know he's got a title that's not spy master. Because otherwise nobody else. There is. I completely forgot because I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got this cabinet, and they have the hand, and all the cabinet members have regular meetings, and then below that you have the uh, the gold guard. What the knights? Not the guard. What is it? King's guard. The king's guard, which is basically the secret service. Well, there's. A handful of Kingsguard, like fuck, you remember this, like seven of them or something like that. Yeah, and they're like the baddest of the bad. They, but they're like the the be- Well, they're supposed to be like the best knights in the land, the best swordsmen, the best ninjas, the best uh, around. Us. No one's ever gonna get you down. Actually, they, they're the best. They're all the karate kids, man. They all crank kick the shit out of everybody. Yeah, they're the best of the best at what they do, and they basically protect the king. The, the king. They're the king's guard. But then there's also like the city watch, right? The city watch is like, yeah, they're the cops. They're the yeah. they're, they're legion of them. They patrol the city. They yeah, everybody's safe. Yeah, gold cloak. The king's gold, guard. That's what it, gold cloaks. That's what they're called, and they keep the peace. And yeah. then. Basically, everyone else is a friggin' peasant. Yep. I mean, you and, got merchants and what have you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, merchants and yeah, but then there's Flea Bottom, which is a place. Slum. Yeah, it's a Get slum. Gonna get you. And you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff like that. So basically, that's the that's the hierarchy of King's Landing. Yep. Um, I have a question. Mm. They have King's Landing, which is where the you know the Iron Throne is. And then they always allude to Casterly Rock. Is that near? Is that's the Lannisters' digs, right? Yeah, that's on the other side of the continent. Okay, because I almost, for the longest time, felt like that was pretty near. When when Jamie is supposed to, like, he was going to get sent to Casterly Rock. I was thinking, Jesus, that's not that far. Like, why is he having such a big gripe about it? Nah, it's super far. Yeah, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Plus it's symbolic. Like he if he's sent to Castle Lock Castle Rock, it means he's not gonna be guarding the king. Because that's what Jamie Lannister is the king he's the king slayer. He killed the the mad king Ares. This is an example of what I say 
these multifaceted characters are. This is what George R. R. Martin does good because Jamie Lannister, throughout the first couple books, is just an asshole. He's banging his sister. He's killing. He's killing. He made a sacred vow to guard his king, and then he kills that king. Now the king was crazy, but everybody gives him shit for it anyways because it's like, yeah, yeah, somebody else should have done it, not you, because you made a vow. But he was in the know. He knew that he. It wasn't just ambition or whim. He actually knew some shit. Right. He saved. He saved thousands and thousands of lives by doing that. Yeah, because the king was crazy and had planted explosives, which is this thing called wildfire, which is a little bit of a magical potion that is not necessarily magical, but it takes special people that... Well, it takes alchemy. Basically, wild... What was it called? Wildfire. It's based on Greek fire, which is a real thing from antiquity and, and, you know, in our world. It was... It burned... it, It was like a kind of a chemical fire that just burned 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 napalm that's what yeah essentially i mean proto napalm but white, white phosphorus sure but yes it, i'm just listening just to things burn <laughs> hemorrhoids uh, <laughs> uh a good insult yeah. uh so he was gonna use a this woman's tongue after she's had a jalapeno and then performing well I, I meant like metaphorically but yeah that too yeah um so he was going to blow up the city. Jamie Lannister kills him. That's right at the height. Or Robert Trebellion was about ready to. It was done. Yeah, it was. It was finishing up, and it, he that was his last ditch effort was to blow the shit out of everything because he scorched Earth policy. He was crazy. Jamie, yeah, Jamie Lannister stopped him from doing that. So he became Kingsguard. Blah, 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 blah. Um, hmm. So this I is yeah. The, this is like the setup. This is where the show picks up. Yeah. And Robert Baratheon is king. He, his, the hand of the king, his hand of the king dies somewhat mysteriously. Um, and then he goes to Winterfell to coax his old uh, rebel buddy, Ned Stark, to become his, the hand of the king because he's one of the only people he can trust. Right. Come to find out that the hand of the king that was killed, that Ned's going to replace, was actually killed uh, because he was getting too close to some information that Robert Baratheon's sons were not actually his. They were actually the the spawn of his wife and the incestual relationship that she has with her brother, who is Jamie Lannister, the guy that killed the king. The first, the first king. Yeah. So they go to Winterfell. Uh, they get caught shagging. They try and <laughs> kill Ned's kid. Because he caught him shagging, but he only gets paralyzed and gets put in a coma. And I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, but essentially, well, Ned, from this point on, this is the TV show. This is the TV show. Ned goes back to uh, King's Landing to be head of the king or uh, hand of the king to Robert Baratheon, and then he picks up where his predecessor left off that got him killed, and uh, hijinks ensue. So watch the TV show; you'll get the rest of it. Like I, I mean, I don't want to sit there and. Like we don't really want to just plot all through seven seasons of the TV show to no, and I certainly that was not my. Uh, I guess what I wanted for this episode was to get people interested, or if they were interested and didn't know what happens to get them there, I wanted to give them a little bit of a insight into how deep the show is, and you don't you don't necessarily have to take it as far as we have, but it certainly helps because in those first few episodes, it moves pretty fast for somebody that doesn't know how this universe works, how this world works. Um, We haven't even 
touched on the fact that there's all kinds of stuff going on the other continent, including uh, a girl who, well, a guy and a girl who <laughs> could be king. And she, one of the girl gets dragons. And when dragons are born, uh, magic really kicks up a notch in the whole world. There's actually a theory about that, that that might not be the case. Well, there are a couple of throwaway lines in the show about, uh, especially in this, I think it was the last episode. Maybe not. Maybe I just rewatched an episode. But one of the maesters down in Old Town says, you know, once those dragons were born, magic really shot through the roof. Right. And that's in the books, too. Like, there's a character that hasn't appeared in the TV show and probably won't that is actually trying to, it's a maester in Old Town that's trying to figure out magic again. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea is that now that there's dragons back in the world, there's still magic. But when you read the between the lines, you know, talk about different people in the past and the recent past, but before the books, magic never actually disappeared. There's still people doing magic all over the place, which if you subscribe to the theory that you can only do magic if there's dragons in the world, that means there's still dragons in the world besides Daenerys's somewhere. Three. Yeah, somewhere. But maybe they were far away and then Daenerys is three or closer. So the people in Westeros or near the coast in Essos are, that's why they can start doing more magic is because there's more dragons close by. Yeah. But yeah. So if you're going to, like the stuff we talked about is why you should watch a TV show because the intrigue and the multi-layer plot structure and who's screwing over who and who's messing with this person, that's what's going to hook you in. The characterization, the guessing what's going to happen next. But like I said before, there's stuff that once you're already hooked in, it's going to enhance the feel of it for you. Like history and theory and allusions to just legends and all kinds of stuff. That's crazy. Um, Well, one thing that Game of Thrones, the TV show, and also in the books, but I'll say if you're going to get your feet wet and watch the TV show, one of the things that is very well known for is that it does not care. The show does not care if you like a character or not. Oh, yeah. If, if it serves the plot, if it serves the story, they're going to kill your favorite character. They're going to brutalize your favorite character. They are going to do something to that character that is just going to make you sit and wait for the other shoe to drop because you know it's going to, and bad things are going to happen to some people. Yeah, which is, once again, ripped from the pages of actual history. Some of the worst scenes in that tv show pretty much really did happen in real life which i i love that i love the idea of that i don't know why i don't know what that says about me but the fact that martin used actual real historical events to structure some of those fucked up scenes in the tv show it's crazy well um another thing that it's known for early on is some of the graphic nudity and sex scenes um and they took a lot of flack for that, and they've toned it back quite a bit. Like, in the first season, they show a full-on rape. And yeah. not no no penetration, but they show nude bodies in a rape scene. And they got a lot of flack for it. And by the end of the sixth season, there was a rape that took place, and they leave it behind closed doors so you assume... Well, I take that back. They had a rape that you only hear... Yeah, you heard a little bit. You heard a little bit. The camera pans away and you don't really see, you don't see anything. You just know what's happening. And then by the final episode, you know a rape is taking place, but it's behind closed doors and you only assume that it's happening. Which, strangely enough, both of them are between married couples, which is weird. Wait, okay, first season, which one? Oh, the the, the first one, Daenerys and 
Drago, Dra- uh, Drogo, Cal Dra- Drogo, that rape scene. They had they were newlyweds, but she was clearly not. Yeah, she went it. into it. <laughs> And then the next rape uh, that I can think of off the top of my head in the last season, it, they are newlyweds, but she doesn't yeah. want to have anything to do with it. She wouldn't and have then, to do it either. It's, it's paralleled, yeah. And then the very last one is uh, Prisoner that the mountain decides. Oh, that's when you. I, th- I was thinking Sansa and Ramsay. Yeah, that's the one that you can only hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when and then, of course, the final rape is uh, the shame lady. Yeah. tied up and the mountain goes into the room and Cersei says something along the lines of he's been told he can do anything he wants or whatever. Right, right. He's got a big appetite or something. I don't remember, but then they shut the door and you only assume that she's getting her just desserts. Yeah. But um so yeah, anyway. they, it was very brutal, very stark, very well, yeah, stark. Very ooh. Very that, I mean, that was that was the reputation was that the Game of Thrones TV show was all tits and gore. Yeah, and I will say, and I think I maybe said this in a previous episode, was um, I believe there's more, at least in the first few seasons, more sex and stuff like that than in the books. Yeah, I, I really do. I think there is, but uh, what there's not in the TV show is Cersei's lesbian scene, which I don't know. This new season needs to have it because I'm just saying, <laughs> nothing wrong with lesbian scenes. Well, one thing that I do know is kind of a little bit of an inside joke that I've caught on to. Uh, I haven't. I haven't read the book, so I don't know, but uh, I understand that for every sex scene in the TV show, there's a scene in the book where George R. R. Martin describes food. <laughs> See, I have this theory that every author has their proclivities that they just can't, they just need to put in their books. At least fantasy. Robert Jordan loved costumes. He loved clothing. He would describe people's clothing to minute details. Uh, Dean Koontz loves architecture. Loves it. Will describe architecture all for pages. Tom George Clancy loves military equipment. Yeah, yeah. George R. Martin loves food. Loves it. He describes the food they're eating in minute detail at least once a book, if not a few times a book. And it's weird food, like pickled alligator eggs or some crap like that. It's, it's crazy, like, you know, marmalade eels or something. I, I don't know. It's it's nutty stuff. It's But he puts it big, huge descriptions of food in every, every book, at least. Huh. At least once, if not a couple of times. That's interesting. There is quite a bit of, uh, I want to say there are food rules. Let I'll, I'll talk about one of the food rules is if you are at somebody's house and you eat salt bread, if they serve you salt bread, that means you're under protection and no harm can come of you, correct? Uh, sure. <laughs> is that a I new one? Remember, I don't remember that. Was that one in the books or, or the TV show or something? I think that that's in the books and I think that that, Spoiler alert! Don't listen! Don't listen! I think yeah, that well, that was, yeah, that was one of the hooks of the red wedding, right? Well, that, that they had been served salt bread and it still went down the way it did was supposed to be a big no no. And it was just it was kind of like um, you know hospitality rules in general, right? But from what I understand, I believe it was in that hardcore Game of Thrones, hard yeah, hardcore Game of Thrones podcast. Is he described it? Uh, from the books that if you were served salt bread, you were under their protection. That You know what I mean? Like, that's, that yeah, would, yeah, that, that sounds be, like it could be right. That would be one of the first things that you would want to have happen if you were visiting some, like, Walter Frey. You'd go in and you would want to have salt bread immediately <laughs> because here's a guy that was known to be a bit of an asshole. Bit of a dick. And once he served you salt bread, then you were, you were his guest and anything coming for you he would stand in the way kind of thing right so well just goes to show 
basic principle of humanity anyways. Once you wave a bit of money or power in somebody's nose, all those rules of etiquette and nice, polite society go out the window anyways. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the things, because I've rewatched that that Red Wedding a couple times because um, I'm a sick fuck. But uh, one of the things that the strikes me about it is Catelyn Stark is sitting there and she hears the reins of Castamere start being yeah. played. And so she starts getting an idea that shit's about to go south. And Roose Bolton is sitting next to her and he invites her to pull up his sleeve so she can see he's wearing armor. It's like he wants her to know this yeah. is going to happen. And he gives her like a head start. Like at that point, she could have put two and two together and, you know, mounted a resistance. Well, Roose Bolton was still technically a, he was his, her subject, basically. He was a bannerman, what they call. Right. Like he was a, he was a mighty lord of his own right, but he was still subject to Ned Stark, who was her husband. So there's probably part of him that was like, yeah, get the fuck out. And she didn't, so it's like, all right, well, I'm going to have to do what I'm going to have to do. But if you rewatch that scene, like, he puts his arm up there and then looks at his arm and then looks at her, and then she, like, what What do you want me to look at? So then she pulls up his sleeve and there's armor there, and then she looks at him like, seriously? This is what's <laughs> going to happen right now. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, this is not even the tip of the iceberg for Game of Thrones. There no, are so it's... many details. There's so much history. There's so much, but hopefully this has wet somebody's appetite who hasn't seen it before. Uh, trust me, take it from me. I was once like you. I didn't want to see it, but now that I have, it's unbelievable. And now that I've gone to the depths of listening to all the, the stuff about it, I'm even more intrigued. Still not intrigued enough to try and read the books. <laughs> well, there's a certain point when you get to be, you know, an adult that you just can't sit down and read. You know, I mean, you'll be reading thousands and thousands of pages and just the idea of starting that i get it like i tell myself sometimes i want to reread them i'm like ah, no when i was younger in my jeez, oh, i guess i didn't really start reading until i was in my maybe my, yeah, maybe like 18 19 but at least in my 20s i had time like i remember reading them like just before class started or sitting around somewhere but i feel like i just i don't have that time anymore do you think it's physically possible for you to create a list of all the books you've ever read no, not even close. You, oh, you Jesus, just, not even close. No way you could do it. No, not even approaching close. There's, there's, I guarantee you, there's books I've read that I wish I could remember the name of. Because I remember plot points of it that I thought were interesting and I want to look back at it. And I can't remember the name of it. can't remember the author. I can barely remember the rough point of my life that I read it in, And that's about the best I can do. Like, I, seriously, there's a couple of sci-fi books right, right here right now that I wish I could remember the name of. But I wouldn't even begin to be able to look them up because I can't even tell you the author or anything. I can give you a synopsis of the plot. See, I, I feel like if I had, uh, like, if I went to Amazon Kindle store and had the cover of every book in front of me that I could scroll through, I want to say that I could, I could probably, out of the hundreds of thousands of books that would have been available to me, I could probably pick out at least 90% of the books that I've ever read. Well, but if I got 50%, I'd be lucky. Some of that would be the fact that I went years of my life where I read maybe two books a year. Mm. Um, like when I was in the military, I had a year that I read, I, I, I want to say I read almost 100 books in a year. Holy crap. And then I went like two whole years in the military where I didn't read a book. <laughs> Or or maybe read a couple books over over a span of two years. I have a cousin that she works from home a lot, so she gets to read a lot. And she's working on trying to hit that 100 book a year mark. Mm -hmm. So 
me, I mean, my in my heyday, if I read, uh, I don't know, maybe 30, that was probably like the most. Well, my first year in the military, after I got out of basic and AIT, when I went to Fort Bragg, there were, I was fortunate enough to be in amongst a bunch of readers. And yeah. so everybody had books in their room and everybody had a lot of books. And some of the things that we did in the military was a lot of hurry up and wait. So you'd, <laughs> you'd, you'd get all your stuff together as fast as you possibly could and then go somewhere and then sit and do nothing for hours and hours and hours, sometimes days Jeez. with, with nothing to fill the time, but you know, shenanigans and you can only get away with so many, so much shenanigans. So luckily oh, I was amongst a bunch of readers and we all traded books. That was one of the things that we had going for us was we had books that we could shuffle around. I bought, I easily that year, I bought 30 books and I'm not talking about thousand page. Books. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like alien versus predator, uh, you know, pretty short books that you could read in a day, you know, right. sitting out in the, you know, sitting out in a foxhole for eight hours, sitting out in the field, you know, drive out yeah. somewhere in the middle of Fort Bragg and, you know, setting up a big tent and then laying on a cot for eight hours, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And so it might not have been a hundred, but it was pretty close. It was every single day, you know, finishing up a book, going to a new book or. Yeah. So See, my, my apex probably was when I was in grad school. Because I, I lived in Washington, D.C., and I did not have a car. So I took public transportation, mostly the metro, the, the subway, or the bus. And this was before, you know, Kindles or iPhones or anything like that. So, you know, you're sitting there on a bus or on a, a subway car. What are you going to do? You're going to read a book. Mm-hmm. So that was my... Now, in retrospect, I could have, I guess, been you know, studying or something like that, reading textbooks. Screw ah. that. That's not fun. I mean, I, I got my degree anyway, so screw it. Screw hindsight. Screw it in the ass. But uh, yeah, so that's when I, I mean, my summer jobs, I remember one of them, I was, I was going all the way to the end of the line. It was taking me an hour almost to get to work. And that was subway and bus. And I, that was one way. So that was a lot of reading. I mean, I read a lot. I mean, I read, I devoured fantasy and sci-fi that summer. Just, and that was the summer I read, I think the Da Vinci Code and just anything that was anything yep. minutely interesting to me. I lived in the bookstores. So like Barnes and Nobles was my second home. I was buying books, you know, at least. Every other week, I was there buying a new book. But uh, yeah, that was my hate. And then recently, I'm, I'm sadly enough at the point right now. I think I'm reading like like two a year. Like seriously, yeah, three a year maybe. That's sad. I'm wanna, trying to think. I want to punch myself with a dick, bro. Dick punch. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last book that I finished. The last thing I read was your book, and I haven't. I haven't even started the finished product. Yeah. Well, you and nobody else either. So you're not alone. <laughs> That's one of those things that I would love to be able to just pick up and, and go. I'd love to look at it on my Kindle. Well, I don't have that capability yet. Yeah. So technically you do. Do I? It's true, but I don't want to go that route. And don't say I have to go that route. Right. Well, I mean, I could just make a PDF copy and just slide it on over to the Kindle and read it that way. Well, Who, knows? Scan all the, scan Who knows? Scan all the pages the... or something? No, it's, you can save oh, that's it. that's right. Yeah, I, I just did go. I went back. I just, on Friday, the day you played hooky. I finished basically what is essentially the third draft. Yeah, I went back through the entire thing. I've been going back through a couple of weeks. Cleaned up a lot of typos. Holy crap! <laughs> Cleaned up some of the languages. Straightened out some things I want to straighten out. And then this is my finished product. I'm ready with it. That's scary. I'm kind of nervous. Anyways, that's a complete divergence. That's neither here nor there. So <laughs> you're the next George R. R. Martin. 
That's right, baby. You heard it here first. Um, I just downloaded a a free book tonight. Huh, I wish I could tell you what the name of it is, but it came across my Facebook feed as a sponsored ad. So kind of oh. like what we did with the podcast. And it's a guy that wants to give away his first book because it's intended to be a series of seven books. So mm-hmm. he's getting on the, the whole Twilight, you know, young adult free, literature, thing. young adult literature thing. Mm-hmm. And it, he bills it as Firefly meets uh, another genre, Harry Potter. Firefly meets Harry Potter. A school for space pilots. <laughs> I don't know. I downloaded it. Uh, actually, I didn't even download it. Wait, I'm I, sorry. That's just Ender's Game, so screw it. Right. Uh, no, this is... I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But it's uh, digital. It's the digital copy he gave away for free. See, that's... I don't... Man, the young adult thing is on fire right now, which I, on the one hand, I get. They're easy reads. They're like... In our, in our little rinky-dink library at the jail. I'll go in there and I'll see... Series I never even heard of, but at the back of every single one, I'll say New York Times bestseller, and they'll have all these reviews and the new blah blah blah. This you know the new Harry Potter, the new Twilight, the new the new Hunger Games, Hunger Games, whatever. And I'm just saying, like, there's it's so saturated. I have no interest. Yeah. In I have no interest in reading those books because I feel like they're exactly what they sound like. They're a young adult. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here shitting on you if you love all those genre and you're like 40 years old. I, to each their own. But me personally. I need a sense of uncertainty, like a main character might die and not come back. A, you know, there might be a torrid sex scene or a gruesome, bloody murder. I need that. I need to be engaged. I need that stuff. So that's what I threw in my book. But that's what I love about George. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's, your, what, what's your favorite book of all time? Book, book or like series? Book, book. What's your favorite book? Like if you're stranded on a deserted island and you're stuck with one book for the rest of your life, what book man, do you want it? That is putting me on the spot. Well, I was just thinking about this today because my favorite series traditionally has been the Wheel of Time series. Yeah. But as I, as time goes on, I really want to say the Song of Ice and Fire, the George R. Martin Game of Thrones series might be supplanting that just because it is a more mature, not that Wheel of Time is not young adults. It's got death and mayhem and, you know, implication of sex not too much it's not like porn or nothing like that it's it's very low-key and very much implied rather than stated but <laughs> i'm going off about the sex the wheel of time anyways <laughs> uh, that's what i do but uh and, that, and i'm not sitting here saying i want to read the game of thrones series because there's like boobies everywhere it's not what i'm about it's only partially what i'm about but it is very much more complex more stark and real and multi-layered than the game of thrones or than the wheel of time series so if I had to say my favorite series, I think at this point the balance is tipped towards Song of Ice and Fire. For singing a book, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, you, you better do that because I don't know. The Stand by Stephen King. Oh, shit. Yeah, there you go. I love that book. Love it. It's a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. See, now my favorite Stephen King book is Salem's Lot. Yeah. Can't say off the top of my head that I've read that. Oh, you're missing out. That one's. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if what I know is the movie or the book because I I had a now the movie was really like a series right like a made like a made for TV series no the movie the movie was just a standalone movie Salem's Lot just like Pet Cemetery and I thought they had a series though like a multi part there might have been something on TV I don't know I know the Salem's Lot movie that I'm talking about. Um, oh, did they redo it like modern times? They did, yeah, they did, but that's not the classic. There's one in the, uh, the early '80s. The classic movie is just a movie. That's just a straight up. I tell you what, that scene where the guy's digging the grave and he's filling it back in, and he just 
jumps down on top of the casket. And it's like, yeah, that casket's going to fling open and the kid's going to be inside. You know it's going to happen, but it scares the shit out of you anyway. Yeah. Right. I remember that. I was a, a wee lad when that affected me. Yeah, so... Anyway, The Stand. I, I went through a big Stephen King kick. Oh, but, me too. Uh, um, yeah, The Stand is my favorite by far. The Stand would probably be number two on my list, but I really loved Salem's Lot. Just a bleak sense of the, the good guys win, but not really. You know, like just it's... Right. It's weirdly enough. If you remember back to when we were talking about Aliens versus Predator, Requiem, the movie... Mm-hmm. What I liked about that movie is what I also like about Salem's Lot, which is the slow realization that shit ain't going to turn out well. The entire town is going down the shitter, and there's not a whole lot the heroes can do about it besides really just survive. Mm-hmm. And that's it, there's real parallels between the two, and it's really good. I, I mean, seriously, if you're going to read a book, the one book this year, read Salem's Lot. I'm telling you. <laughs> and then watch The Mist. That's right. I like the book, The Mist, too. But but that was a short story, right? Yeah, that was different seasons. Maybe. I never read the short story books. Really? Yeah, I never did. Uh, My brother did. I never did. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. He liked, He always liked um, Sometimes They Come Again. Wait, Sometimes Sometimes yeah. Sometimes They Come Back. Yeah, and that was, yeah. A, that was a movie, too. Yeah, but not the same as what happened in the story. He told me about the story. He said the movie was way different. Hmm. So you cannot pinpoint your favorite book of all time. I you can't. better I, you better reach into your backpack and grab the best book that you not have because the plane's going down and you're going to be strapped trapped on a deserted island. I can tell you the one that probably affected me the most, not that entertained me or delighted me, or the one that sat with me for a while and it's kind of trite, but here it is. It's 1984. Yeah, that was one of the ones I read in school, and I didn't read that till I was in my 30s. <laughs> yeah, well, you probably had a way better understanding about that shit in your 30s than I did when I was like 15. Yeah, I think I, if I would have been forced to read it when i was like 16 or something yeah i, I don't know if i would appreciate it nearly as well as yeah. when i read it when i was 34 35 hmm. but that's but, not one that you'd want to have on a deserted island no like, because on a deserted oh, island here we go. i'm gonna be like oh big brother i wish big brother was watching holy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be like a dream come true yeah oh thank holy god girl. you were watching the whole time <laughs> hmm so uh, what about a i think we talked about a cd what what music cd would you want to have on a deserted island the one cd listen to over and over and over because uh, the batteries in the cd walkman work perfect forever what one cd would i want on deserted island? um i can tell you mine right now easy not even a question if it was if this happened to me tomorrow if i crash landed tomorrow yeah maybe jar of flies by allison change i really like that CD. um we might have talked about this did we talk about this use your illusion too the one with november rain on it yeah uh okay we're gonna have an argument right now oh I think November Rain was on Use Your Illusion 1. See, and I, you're probably right. I get that confused <laughs> all the time. But I, I almost want to say 2 because I, I felt like I thought it was, should be 1. Was it the but... blue the blue cover or the red and yellow cover? Ah, don't. I, and once again, I want to say blue cover. I might be wrong. Blue cover was Use Your Illusion 2. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Red and yellow. See, I remember Use Your Illusion 2 had You Could Be Mine, had Civil War, uh, had one of the versions of Don't Cry. Each, each, right. one, had each one had a different version. Yeah. Shotgun blues. Yeah, one was red and yellow. Blue was two. Yeah, and I want to say November Rain was on Usual Illusion one. All right. Well, let's see what we got here. Estranged is on Usual Illusion two. Yeah. Okay. November Rain and the original Don't Cry were one. Estranged was two. Yep. Yeah. You're right. So uh, yeah, my favorite song. And I couldn't even tell you what album. <laughs> well, I'm a sad, sad person. And you've never bought the album, correct? No, I had had both of them. Oh, you did buy them. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Uh, my CD that I would want to have on a desert island is Def Leppard Hysteria. Does that Love Bites? Yes. I am a sucker for the power ballads, and Love Bites is probably my favorite Def Leppard song. Yeah. I love, I love that it. album. That is, uh, to me, one of the best albums ever, 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 ever. Yeah. I could listen to it on repeat over and over and over. Now, uh, of course, like three weeks into my deserted island experience, I might be absolutely bonkers and talking to a volleyball. But See, but that's what you do. You got to listen to the song, the whole album on loop, over and over and over again as much as you can while those batteries last. And then when they die, you can sing them to yourself or to your volleyball as much as you want that's right well i could that's slow dance right. i could slow dance with the volleyball then we could go uh have you know junior high relations behind the bleachers you know you gotta he tom hanks missed an opportunity he could have he made ropes out of vines he could have wove himself a body for wilson called it wilson wilsonina <laughs> and had some real fucking fun yeah that's right yeah now we're talking then he you'd have to change the smile on the face to look a more <laughs> Well, eventually, because you know you gotta shake it up. You know when the when it becomes stale, predictable, right. then you just put a frowny face on it, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, you don't like this, do you?" Scream for me, <laughs> and then ha- then hang Wilson, Wilsonina, Wilsonona, Wilsonona. That's a shoplifting mannequin, <laughs> straw person who loses a kid to parallel dimensions and shit. Oh, let's bring it back around to Game of Thrones. Yeah, wow, we really went off a path on that one, didn't we? This episode was brought to you by Wilsonona. Wilsonona. You know what my name at the end of the podcast was going to be. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Predict it. Now I'm going to have to come up with something else. Um, let's see. So the intention of this version of Masters of Profundication talking about Game of Thrones is just to whet your appetite. We will have a future episode that is going to be so chock full of spoilers that you're not going to be able to stand it it will delve into the uh details in such a way that it'll bring you up to speed i'm looking forward to that are you thinking so there was a bunch of like the extended universe for lack of a better term extended universe stuff which is like the others and relore and we didn't even get into ancient valyria you know all that we didn't even barely touch on that like to me i my favorite characters, everybody is going to be like, oh, Jon Snow is my favorite. Um, I love oh. the lights. I love the others. I want the Night, the, the night yeah. King or whatever it is. What the hell is he? The Night's King. Yeah. The Night's King. I want him to prevail. I want him at the end of the show. I want that Night King sitting on the Iron Throne. Maybe even <laughs> like double middle fingers, like total and complete. And then maybe the only word he says, because he does, he has never said a word. I want his only words to be like a hashtag, like a booyah or hashtag deal with it. <laughs> and then maybe drop it back and be like, peace out, bitches. Sitting there going, fuck, what do I do now? Um, I'm going to spoil something right now. I want to talk about something that disappointed me a little bit last season. Mm. I think that they did a disservice. It was actually the only thing I didn't like about last season, other than the fact that they spent so much time on the High Sparrow. Yeah. Um. Actually, who it, looks just like Pope? What's what's the new Pope now? Francis. It's freaky. Just yeah. saying, the actor playing the High Sparrow looks just like Pope Francis. He's anyway, I, it bothered me that they showed a flashback of the Children of the Forest creating the uh, the oh, first yeah. the first the Night King or whatever he is. I I hated that. I didn't like it at all. So here's something I was going to delve into a little bit was the theory behind that is like the TV show kind of took the real idea 
and tweaked it. But the real idea is that the first others were not humans. They were offshoots of the children of the forest. If you're not familiar, the children of the forest are basically elves or dryads or some kind of like, you know, basic stock fantasy fairy type of magical fairies that were the first inhabited magic hippies. They're they're magic hippies, basically magic hippies that inhabited Westeros before man came. over. So, you know, men came over to Westeros, started, you know, chopping down trees and taking over land and blah, blah, blah. And the children try to fight them. Which, like I kind of mentioned, like there was a land bridge connecting the South Dorne to Essos, the Eastern Continent. The Children of the Forest use their magic to wipe it out in a tidal wave. So there's after that two continents, maybe, maybe not. It might be connected in the North, and nobody knows it, anyways. But in a desperation, an offshoot of the Children of the Forest turned themselves into the first of the other by making a deal with a strange godlike entity that's way to the north and like frozen hmm. and that's in the books it's in the the implications the hints are in the um the companion the world of ice and fire oh the one that you just bought the one that i ordered yes because i just yeah. figured out that existed today yeah because in the in the tv show they just basically showed them like having a, a hand chest sex yeah with a human and the children of the forest yeah just like oh it's magic and then go from there yeah and it was kind of a throwaway flashback too like I don't. Eh. It was just like we got to get everybody's wondering where they came from. We go, we'll get it out of the way now. We'll say, oh, the children of the forest hated people at the time, made the others, but it was something they made that they, they couldn't control. The thing I saw today was way more interesting, which was not only are did the children become the others, but the children of the forest that exist now in the contemporary you know setting of the books aren't fighting against the others. Like in the books and in the TV show, Bran, who is crippled, has the power to send his consciousness first into his pet direwolf and then through time and space he can watch people and yeah he can yeah sorry you know you, you can't move and you can't do anything else you got to do what you got to do to get your uh get your fun but he's a space warrior anyways <laughs> space pants um he's being taught by um what's called the three-eyed crow he was a he used to be a guy from the night's watch went north went got stuck in a tree became kind of like a guardian well the idea Bookwise, is that he didn't voluntarily do it. The children of the forest kind of stuck him in this tree, and they're using his power. But he's they extended his life, but he's dying, so they need Bran to replace him and coordinate the others, if I remember right. And they're they're not actually you know good guys. They're fully trying to use the others to destroy man. Like the plan is on, and they're going for total destruction. And Bran's going to be an unwitting tool. Maximum effort. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I and like there's that. also the fact that in the books, you know, the red woman, the Melisandre, the priestess, yep. Yep. she worships the god Relore, who's the god of fire. And he gives says, her perky nipples. Yeah, forever. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, she's old. <laughs> but you don't see that. But uh, Relore and somebody she calls the other. So the idea is that the others, who the children of the force made a deal with, to turn into the others to do his bidding, to gain power, to fight humans. And that her ultimate, even though she's sacrificing mofos left and right, she's doing some shady, weird, giving birth to shadow demon shit. She's still ultimately a good guy because she's fighting to stop the others. And her God is the fire God and the God of light who's fighting against the God of the dark and the cold and death, mm-hmm. which is goes back to the theme I said, which is no characters, 100% good, bad. They're all shades of gray. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That is cool. And I'm just going to say it. And I don't care what I sound like. Fuck everybody. The HP Lowcraft references are fast and furious when you get into this shit. <laughs> well, I know I'm we, a broken record. No, no, we had a Simpsons reference. If yep, we didn't yep. have an HP Lovecraft reference, <laughs> oh I, god, 
I was going to do a welfare check. Look at this if you if you're at all interested. Look at and I it's so much I can't go into. You can Google it, but look at I recommend going to this YouTube guy's uh, Ideas of Ice and Fire, and he has a whole bunch about the H.P. Lovecraft parallels. Basically, Rolor is Cthulhu, and the other is, the other is this guy named Haster. Rolor is he's I mean, there's this whole thing about this a shy and shadow which is far to the east. There's a secret city at the heart of it, which is kind of taken from Robert Howard's Conan series, but it's still. Love. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it justice, and I, it's too much to go into. But there's a ton out there. Deep ones. I mean, even when you read the books, the the Iron Islanders worship the Drown God. There's a there's a line. There's a famous line from Lovecraft, which is that is what that is which is that that is not dead, which can eternal lie, but with strange eons, even death may die. And the Iron Islanders is the god they worship. His motto is that is uh, what is dead cannot die, but comes back harder and stronger, something like that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, and it's a very yeah, it's a very blatant parallel. So yeah, George R. R. Martin, Lovecraft nerd. Boom, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, anybody that has already watched Game of Thrones, I highly recommend you go do some research via podcasts and YouTube channels. You will any enjoyment you get from the Game of Thrones TV show, you will double that enjoyment when you research the history of game of thrones right when you delve into it when when you immerse yourself in some of this stuff it will be it'll be satisfying because so much stuff is going to make sense i highly recommend you go watch some youtube videos at the very least if not read the books (laughs) which i'm not going to follow that advice but but uh, yeah i mean and i'm not going to follow that advice anymore like i'm going to definitely read the next one when it finally comes out but I'm not going to sit there and reread the entire series again. So I get how it's hard. But having said that, read the books. I mean, there's there's certain scenes in this show, like I said, that are better than the books. But for the most part, it's that whole cliche where, yeah, the, the books are better. Now, this is interesting to me because uh, the books are also written in a different way than people would be accustomed to, right? Like each chapter is written from a different person's perspective. Every chapter is dedicated to one person's point of view. And yeah. that's a chapter title. Like you'll have a chapter title called John or Catlin or Bran or Davos. So you're you know. in an in a sense you're witnessing multiple or multiple views of the same event. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes you only get depending on where the character is. Yeah, there's over there. overlapping yeah. stories and stuff like that. So um, I I find that fascinating, but not again, not enough to go read. I will say this for the hardcore book fans it's pretty much been confirmed that lady stoneheart is not going to be in the series sorry to tell you yeah i as far as i know that that's a good character i almost think that that's a pretty wise move that at this stage in the game if they tried to introduce her like a surprise here she is that that wouldn't go over very well if they did though i could almost see i mean there's a part of me that kind of could almost see it happen i mean there is in the current season the search i I don't want to reveal anything so because it hasn't happened, and if I say it, it'll be a spoilers if you see it, so I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I don't think it'll happen, but I, I want to be safe. But there's certain characters, just from the, like, as we're recording this podcast, all we've seen is the first pilot episode, the season premiere of the seventh season. Already, there's characters that have popped up in that that could facilitate this Lady Stoneheart character coming in. And if she did, fucking would blow the minds of everybody watching the TV show that didn't read the books. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, let's leave it on that. And promise okay. to revisit Game of Thrones soon. Maybe maybe after the finale we can get into like there's more lore, there's more there's more good stuff. Yeah. And I'd love to I'd love to recap the season. So yeah, yeah. 
let's uh, let's plan on coming back in a couple of months and talking all about season seven and how it applies to the rest. We'll talk about that scene where Daenerys and Jon Snow get it on, and then Sansa joins in because that's what Game of Thrones is all about. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. Uh, you heard it here first. Weird <laughs> incestuous three way: an aunt, a nephew, and a cousin. Boom. Boom shaka. All right. Well, let's um let's move on to some trivia. What do you say? Oh yeah, I got a trivia question. It's not do the you? most groundbreaking but it's topical so i thought i'd bring it up it's topical it's topical like a cream (laughs) it soothes the burn oh here's something i i wanted to mention at the at the beginning of the episode but we got sidetracked to the things i read an article the other day that uh television shows that are in syndication right now let's just take for example seinfeld did you know that those episodes are sped up nine percent yeah actually in order to fit commercials in yeah i I feel cheated i've heard that before yeah because they need to yes i i actually uh i watched you can go right now most of them have been taken down for copyright problems but there's some videos on youtube but there's a seinfeld one specifically that they put side by side the old episode next to the new episode and it's to the untrained ear, there's no difference. You can't really, I mean, it, it sounds like Seinfeld and George Costanza. It, it sounds like them talking normally, but when you watch them side by side, absolutely. It's the whole Cadbury cream egg thing all over again, where <laughs> it's like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And yes, the Cadbury cream eggs are smaller than they were back 10, 15 years ago. The Seinfeld friends, like pretty much anything that you watch in syndication is sped up so they can fit more commercials in. Plus, when they put in syndication, they always, always chop up the intro yep. and then play. And what I've what I've seen a lot of, maybe it's recent, maybe it's not, but I've 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 just recently noticed it is they'll start playing the last few minutes of it while the credits roll. Yes, so they can chop it off that way at the end too. Yep, and they're doing everything they possibly can now. They're like split screen it, like like literally split screen it while they have the credits roll and play some the last few minutes of it. Yeah. So anyway. That's I, I just it popped into my head and I had to I had to bring yes, it up. There you go. Syndicators. Uh, trivia. You want to go first? Yeah, might as well. Like uh, mine's not exactly <laughs> the most tantalizing of trivia questions, but I'll I'll get it out of it. Mine is so the uh, oh god damn it I got rid of my tab. Okay, I have to do this from memory. Um, <laughs> so what is maybe George R R Martin's first published work was in uh, I believe it said 1963. He wrote a letter to a certain comic book, a fan letter. And it got published by that comic book runner. Do you have any idea what that comic book would have been? So I want to say, I want to say it was the same publication that Stephen King used to write for. Is that, am I on the wrong? I don't think so. Okay. I don't, unless I'm wrong about Stephen King. No, he used to write, um, when he was young, he used to write for a serialized like comic book magazine, like a Tales from the Crypt kind of thing. Oh, okay. No, this is just, you read comic books at the end, they have fan letters. Yep. And he wrote one? He wrote one and they published it. They printed his letter. So you're looking for which comic book? Which comic book did he write to? Did he write to? Write about. Uh, oh. If you want to give you a hint. No, no. Be- no oh, okay, okay. No, no hint. Okay. I want to say he wrote to Detective Comic. No. <sighs> wrong publisher. Oh, okay. Spider-Man. Right publisher, wrong comic. Right creator, wrong comic. Like as in Stan Lee. This is another Stan Lee comic. Ant-Man. He was a huge Ant-Man fan. He was like, give me more Ant-Man. I got to have it. I, um, little I like little, He liked little people even back then. 
Are you going to say Conan the Barbarian? Get it, get it, little people? Sorry. Ant-Man, little people, space pants. Space pants. No, not Conan. Although Marvel did run Conan for a while, and he was a fan of Robert E. Howard, but no. All right, what what was your clue? It was going to be <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> oh. <Sorry>. No. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and it was 1963? Yes, that's the, yeah, that's the issue got published. So when Stanley was actually running, so I don't know how much you know about what Stanley did. Uh, it was one of Marvel's most popular comic books, too. That's just, oh. No. At the time. Archie and Jughead. That was not Marvel. Oh. And I'm not sure why that was ever popular, to tell you the truth. Uh, they're getting a huge um, bone thrown to them, and they're doing a whole run of Archie and Jughead comics that are going to feature, uh, like, Harley Quinn and oh, shit. Po- Poison Ivy. Well, and- there is a live-action TV show called Riverdale or something like that. That's supposed to be, like, mature. Like, I think it's CW, but it's still, like, you know, sex and violence and crap. Right. But, yeah. I don't... I'm, Fun fact, I'm, Archie Comics went through a period where it was like hardcore fundamentalist Christian. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvel, Stan Lee, one of their most popular ones. It's not Spider-Man. Right. Uh, mm, I can't. I don't even have a guess. It was the Fantastic Four. Oh. He wrote a fan letter. It was, uh, I can't remember which issue was printed in. It was either like 18 or 19 because he wrote about issue 17 saying, how great it was. You can find it online and there's a debate about whether, in fact, I think there's a video clip of him reading his own fan letter, but there's a debate about whether he was being super sarcastic or like a super fan. Cause he just gushed about how great this issue was. I'm sure so, he wanted it published. That's probably what that boils down to. Well, he was also like 16. So yeah. And I'm sure he wanted to get published. So he gushed. I wrote a letter to grew the wanderer. Oh yeah. Sergio Argonas. Yeah. I, I wrote a letter to, to grew that never got published but it was definitely gushing there was this old tv show where they would i don't remember what it was like a weird kind of pseudo game show but they had a segment i don't remember the name of it but they had a segment where fans would send in artwork like you know things they yeah you know i remember that you know you know and if they used it if they like showed it on the tv show they sent you a free video game yeah so i sent it oh go ahead oh i just i drew there was a period where I would take all like the, the game booklets from video games. Yeah. And I would draw, uh, you know, try my hand at drawing like stuff from Metroid or Zelda or some crap, Mario, stuff like that. And I had, I, I sent it four separate pictures of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles convinced that they, that they were so good that they would definitely use them on air and I'd get some free video. That's nice. Didn't, Didn't do it, huh? Did not happen. Pissed. Bummer. Destroyed my childhood dreams. God, what was that? There was a show that they played video games. That was like, uh, I remember seeing that. I watched that. Might have been the same show. I, I, I really don't remember I'm, what they did. I'm 99% sure I've seen that show. I remember that segment where they would show stuff, fan art and stuff like that. Crushed children's hearts, what they did. Yeah. Bastards. Speaking of... an artist. They would have shown my art. I would have been an artist right now, I'm telling you. Crushing children's hearts. My trivia question. It's about slave labor. Child, no. Well, no. Child pr- prostitution, I'm guessing. Maybe. Whatever. Maybe. You know. Okay. Uh... What is the name of the ship that came to the rescue of the Titanic? The SS Minnow. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. It's a, I've actually known this and I've forgotten. Um, the Loose Titania. No, that's not. No. <laughs> Remember the main. No. Uh, it was like North something. North nope. Star. Shit like that. Okay, then I have. That's completely off base. And I don't think I'm maybe. It was the Nautilus. No. It no, starts the final with... answer. Nautilus. That's your final answer? 
Yeah, Mayflower. The Mayflower came back in time to save the Titanic. This is going to be one of the ones that is going to come up on Trivia Night. Oh, and, and you're going to remember. Yeah. I What was it? Arthur C. Clarke or H.G. Wells, something like that, wrote a book in the 18, late 1800s called, called like the Sink of the Titan that oh, kind yeah. of predicted the, the Titanic. Yeah. Uh, this is the RMS Carpathia. Carpathia. Good Romanian ship. Uh, anyway, that it was sunk by German U-boat. <laughs> <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. That's right. Later in its life, it was sunk by a U-boat. For... Like the Lusitania. Yeah. Um, you know what I find? Wait, Absolutely. wasn't the Carpathia the name of the Antichrist in that crappy series of religious books? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. Anyway, tuck this away in your member banks because I guarantee this one comes up on our trivia night. I've been to the future as the Flash. And I'm sorry. You notice when he runs, lightning is always there. Anyway. No, that's uh, Flash. You know what's fascinating about this RMS Carpathia is you know how they came to the rescue of the Titanic, the 900 and some odd people that lived or whatever it was. Uh, do you know how they got the message, the distress signal? It is so um, 2017. Like they bounced the telegraph signal off the ionosphere. They nope. use the icebergs as like a radio <laughs> no. broadcast beacon. The uh, fish mermaids. Mermaids say mermaids. It was mermaids. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, the radio man for the Carpathia couldn't get to sleep so he just stayed up fucking around with the radio and he heard their signal so that is the equivalent to laying in bed with your iPhone can't go to sleep updating your Facebook feed <laughs> this is the this is the same thing he couldn't get to sleep he was laying yeah he, he kept his radio right next to the bed and he was just like fuck it I can't sleep I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fucking update my status and see what's going on and oh shit there's a ship sinking <laughs> the titanic which said it could never sink is sinking well, that's the thing Weird. is he he took it to like the the guy on watch that night and he was like uh i just got a distress signal from the titanic saying they're sinking and the guy was like uh that's fake because the titanic can't sink yeah. so instead of being instead of being like yeah you're right i'm just gonna go to bed he actually took it to the captain like knocked on the captain's door and was like uh you might want to no. hear this and they immediately went to action like, like it deserves its own movie. They should do an updated movie where it's the same idea, but modern setting. So, like, you're in your car driving at night, and you're all you're doing is listen to your Spotify, mm-hmm. and then you hear a signal that says somebody's, geez, what would be the now? Somebody's breaking into Fort Knox with lasers and EMP bombs. They said it could never happen, but it's happening. And you're like, <laughs> I gotta go to the rescue. No, I'd just be like, you go get it. That's a good movie. I can't wait to watch the movie version of whatever hijinks you're doing. Ocean, movie. Ocean's 15. Ocean's 15, four knocks and lasers. We got to trick them. Anyway, I think bring... that whole, if you read anything about that Carpathia and how they came to the rescue of the Titanic, that deserves its own movie. Hands oh, down yeah. would be a great movie because what happened after they got the distress signal and took it seriously was nothing short of like they did everything right. The captain knew what the fuck was going on. He knew like exactly what to do in order to steam to them as fast as possible and to put people where they needed to be to avoid icebergs and to like drain sinks on one half of the ship so they'd go faster and like like he knew instantly what to do and they got there in record time because this guy was such a fucking and then like they got all these signals from 
the mainland, like reporters and stuff saying, hey, tell us what happened. We offer you money to, and he was just like, no, you guys shove it up your ass. We're not, we're not talking. You wait until, you know, we reach shore and we have an opportunity to speak to our higher ups. Like the captain of the ship was like a no nonsense motherfucker. Oh, shit. I want to see that movie. I want to see it being billed as Titanic 2. And I want there to be a scene in the trailer where they scoop Jack's body up with like a big fucking net or something yeah. like that. Just his popsicle floating body, just like, bloop. What do we get? Ah, some freaking scrub from steroids. Yeah. Put him back. <laughs> That's right. Put him back, back overboard. Yeah. We don't have room. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Get Leo DiCaprio come back just for that scene. Yeah. That would be a good movie. I'm serious. It would be a good movie. I want to I wanna option that. I want to I wanna talk to James Cameron. And I want to write the script. Of course, there'll be more loogie hawking. Uh, somebody will go to the bow of the ship and pretend like they're flying. Uh, there'll be a sex scene Just, where somebody's drawing a chick naked in the hull. Yeah, I don't know, parts of my ship in the bottom. <laughs> in somebody's the hull, I'm trying no, to make women. No, in constantly the hall. in yes. the hull. They're part of the wall. Yeah. No, no, yeah, naked French lady drawing constantly. That's just part of the voyage. All right, you're done next. All right, okay, next. It's like going to Disney World and getting your caricature done. <laughs> Come on, lady, get naked. You know what the deal is. Yeah. With this necklace on. I'm going to draw you like one of my French whores. <laughs> it's been anyway. Franklin the entire time. The Carpathia. French whore drawing, asshole saving Carpathia. Uh, speaking of trivia night, we have, we have that upcoming. We're going to do a little treat for everybody, and we're going to do trivia night and then podcast. We'd yeah. like to podcast during it. We can figure it out how, but at the very we, least, we'll... We can do it. We can podcast during it. The problem being, they might not let us have our phones broadcast or <laughs> podcasting in the middle of trivia night. Although it is uh, all-you-can-eat taco and trivia night, so something tells me they don't give a shit. Oh, all-you-can-eat tacos? Yeah. Yeah, nine ninety nine. All you can eat tacos. We are gonna be miserable. Oh my god! I get to roll me home. I guarantee you. <laughs> yes. uh, sir, you already had forty tacos. Do not say all you can eat if you give me all I can eat. <laughs> forty tacos. Shit! I thought I was at fifty. Keep them coming. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. Yeah, we got some upcoming ones. We're doing. Uh, we're gonna do a whole episode on Star Wars. We want to do an episode on me getting my fortune taken and uh oh yeah we want to do a psychic is that real that's not really fortune telling that's more like a we're gonna you're gonna visit a medium okay yeah i want to touch some dead people that's what it is yeah a seance if you will basically yeah i want to talk to elvis that's what i want to find some mundane guy that just like yeah i i I was coming off my roof and i slipped and got impaled on my flagpole kind of (laughs) sucked it's embarrassing and when i say impaled i don't mean like through my chest it's yeah right through the yeah uh, we want to do another escape room. Yeah, oh yeah, we got to get some people together for that. Yep. Uh, we want to do a part two on fan theories since we missed so many the last time. And then we're gonna find some more fucked up movies and describe them in detail. Oh wait, no, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Although I'm sure we did miss some of those too. Oh god, we totally did. All right. All right. Well, I think that we've drawn all we can out of this topic for. Today. We definitely got to do a part two for this one though when the season's over. We'll, we'll come back and delve back in. All right. Well. I'm Bungus Carpathia signing off. Bungus Carpathia. I'm, uh, I already forgot the name. Bob Scully. <laughs> Damn, I got nothing. Chainsaw. You're Chainsaw Bob Scully. Chainsaw Bob Scully. Say it. Since 1952. Dip me in your money milk. Dip me in your money milk. Oh, All right. <laughs> I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.